I am glad that you're here. We have some who can't be here. Uh, Cindy said that Charlie had to work today, and he worked yesterday, and he worked every day last week. Uh, so pray that he'll get a break this week. And Donna said that Anna's been struggling uh, and uh, asked us to pray for her strength. And it's good to have some folks who've been out able to be back with us and pray for those that are not with us today. And there's some others who have health issues. Pray for those. But remember, spiritual issues are more important. Uh, many of you were praying for Sherry's mom. She had surgery on Thursday and was able to come home on Thursday. So that was great. So uh, Sherry's still there helping her mom and uh, pray for her and her mom and, and the whole family. But uh, that, that's a huge blessing because they had to delay the surgery and then they weren't sure whether she'd be in for a day or two, and, and it ended be, being less than a day, so that was good for her. Hospitals are, are wonderful to have when you really need them, but if you don't need to stay, it's better to get out. <laughs> There's a lot of diseases you get in there that uh, you wouldn't get otherwise. We have been looking at the Lord's Prayer. Got it right, Jeff. Last Sunday I said the Lord's Supper, but... We've spent several weeks, and we'll conclude next week, but we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer and what Jesus gave us as the model prayer. We started with uh, a message called, In Jesus' Name, and I, if you missed that, I encourage you to go to our website, podcast, click on that, and listen to that message. If you have a smartphone, you can have it podcast downloaded right to your phone, uh, but I encourage you to do that. That was the message that set up this study, and we're not going to go back and review it because we've been moving along, but I hope that you'll do that. And then every week we've looked at a different aspect of the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 9, sorry, chapter 6 and verse 9. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, Jesus said, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Last Sunday we looked at, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So I want to pause right there. Forgive us our debts, our sins, as we forgive our debtors, those who may have sinned against us, and jump down to verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So, this past week, if you have held a grudge, either a long time ago or a brand new one, and you didn't deal with it, God's not really listening to your prayers. And you ask for forgiveness, you're not going to receive it because God said you have to show it. Now, we don't earn his forgiveness. It's a gift. But that gift says we have to recognize sin and repent from sin to be forgiven. So, hopefully you've dealt with issues if you have them. Verse number uh, 13. And... Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, some translations stop right there 
And don't include the rest of this verse. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What a tangled mess of things in that picture. It's a tangled mess of trees and a little road going underneath them. And that's the way our lives get. A tangled mess if we don't intentionally deal with the sin in our own life and show forgiveness toward others. If we don't do that, then we're a tangled mess. Now, in the bulletin, there is a space for you to make some notes. In the bulletin, there's also two sides. There's a connection uh, for those who are guests that haven't filled this out to let us know. On the other side, uh, share a testimony, ask for prayer, make a commitment on that side. There's a space there. Briefly describe a circumstance that was very difficult, but afterward you could see God's blessing because of going through it. Afterward, you could see, well, God blessed in spite of that difficulty and sometimes because of that difficulty. Uh, there was a guy who was driving down the road and he was at a red light and he was one of those guys, as soon as the light turns green, vroom, there he goes and doesn't look both ways to make sure it's clear. And so he said he was sitting in their car and he put his foot on the gas and his car stalled. It had never done that before and never done that again after that. And while he was angry that his car stalled and he couldn't pull out, a truck went right through the intersection. He would have been just enough to be a grill ornament on that truck. And he said, thank God I had a problem with my car. So maybe there's an issue where you have felt that. Write that down. Let us know. I, I would appreciate you sharing that with me. Uh, we're going to look at some passages of Scripture, and we're going to uh, base their message on, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So if you can turn to the book of James, and the first thing that I want you to think about this morning is that trials are part of your spiritual growth. Trials are part of your spiritual growth. And so uh, turn to the book of James, Hebrews, then James, then First and Second Peter. We're going to look in James and Peter. Uh, James chapter 1. James chapter 1, look in verse 2. My brethren, is he writing to Christians or unsaved people? Christians, saved people, believers. How do we know that? Calls them brethren. Now, when I was in the Marine Corps, you know, I had my brother Marines. And when I was in sports, we had my brother team members. But in the Bible, when it talks about brothers or brethren, it's talking about believers, not guys that kick a soccer ball together or go shoot the enemy together, but believers who are connected through Jesus Christ. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Did you have some difficulties this week? Did you count it all joy? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it joy when your bones don't work the way they did yesterday. Count it joy when 
you have a financial hardship. Count it joy when uh, you know somebody somebody said that that uh, you know if you go out down a dark alley and some guy jumps out, cuts you with a knife, takes your money, and leaves you unconscious, uh, you'd want him arrested. But if you go into the hospital and somebody cuts you and takes your money and leaves you unconscious, you thank him for it. It's your attitude that makes the difference. Your attitude makes a difference. And so here's why we should count it all joy. Not because life is fun when it's hard. You know, this is not the Marine Corps mantra, do it the hard way. No, this is life. We recognize God at work in our trials and through our trials. Knowing, verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. How many of you have ever gone through physical therapy? Wasn't that fun? Wasn't that cool? You know when the doctor grabs your foot and twists it to the right and then to the left to see if your knee hurts? And first you bounce off the wall and then fall off on the floor? Yeah, it hurts. Right? Physical therapy is not pleasant. One of our Awana moms is a physical therapist. And when I came in to Awana one night and I had my knee brace on and my cane, and she said, what's wrong? I said, it hurts. <laughs> she wanted the doctor's description of what was wrong with my knee. Uh, she was a little annoyed with me for some weird reason. But anyway, uh, the testing of your faith produces patience. It's just like an athlete who works out and works out and works out so that he can perform on game day or in the race or whatever. Just like the pianist who practices so they can then perform the song or the musician. Uh, just like the, the therapist who makes you do things that hurt so that you will be strengthened and your life will be improved because of it. Knowing the testing of your faith produces a patient endurance. You've gone through that. And you've gone through that before. So now you know you can handle this. Because you've already handled it. And let patience, that patient endurance, have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete or mature, wanting, lacking Nothing. So trials are a part of your spiritual growth. Trials uh, cause you to endure. And that endurance is a blessing. That endurance brings you closer to God. That endurance is the spiritual therapy. Just like the physical therapy or occupational therapy that people go through. That endurance is a result of the spiritual therapy that the trial has caused. So we need to add one word here. And not just trials are a part of your spiritual growth, but trials are a necessary part of your spiritual growth. Well, that was supposed to move. That looks really weird. Trials are unnecessary. Can you click one more time? Is that going to go away? No, never mind. Go back. Trials are a necessary part of your spiritual growth. And Benjamin and I did it, and it worked great in the office. So, Second thing about trials. Trials are overcomable. I don't know if that's really a word, but it should be. 
Trials are overcomable. Listen to this. Well, you can see this verse up here. 1 Corinthians 10. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation also will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Trials are a necessary part of your spiritual growth. A necessary part of your spiritual growth. So the plea here in, in Matthew and Jesus saying the model prayer, uh, do, you know, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is not saying, God, please take all the temptation away. Because we need the trials to grow stronger. But it is a plea to remove the trials that could overwhelm us. The trials that could crush us. To remove those. Now, trials are a necessary part of your spiritual growth. Secondly, you need God's fortification to prevent your heart from being drawn astray to prevent your heart from being drawn astray. Psalm 19.13 says, Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Uh, Just hold it back. Uh, Prevent... God can prevent your heart from being led astray. But you and I have trouble with our heart. Uh, We need spiritual self-discipline. If you're still in James chapter 1, look down at verse 13. Well, yeah, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. God doesn't Put something in your path hoping you'll sin. God allows trials in your path for your spiritual growth. But each one is tempted. You ready for this? Each one is tempted when? He is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So, Jerry, If you go home today and it's lunchtime and your mom says, don't eat any cookies before lunch because we're going to eat lunch. And there's some cookies on the counter there. They're just sitting there, easy, grab and run. And nobody's looking. Would you be tempted to grab a cookie? Not really. Why? (laughs) Okay, he doesn't know why, but he, he wouldn't be tempted. How many of you adults might be tempted if no one was looking? Yeah. I wouldn't be. Not those cookies with chocolate or sugar. If they were chocolate chip cookies, I definitely would not. Uh, Why? Well, I can't have it. And my body responds badly to it. So I wouldn't want it. What? If there was a taquito on the counter, and Kathy had said, I want that taquito, and I'll be back in a while, and that taquito was just sitting there, 
with its lips moving, saying, eat me, eat me, eat me, eat me. I might be really tempted to eat that taquito. Now, some of you don't like hot, spicy things. If it was hot and spicy, you could leave it all day. It wouldn't tempt you at all. Uh, it would me. The sugar stuff doesn't tempt me. I can't have it. My body doesn't handle it right. So you are drawn away by your own desires. So, you know, I, I have always wondered why people would do some of the things they do. How, how would they be tempted to do that? I'm not going to face that temptation. I could face that trial all day long. You could make me smell Twinkies and I still wouldn't want to buy into the thing. Bite into the thing. Wouldn't want to pay for them either for that matter, but you are drawn away of your own desires. So, we as a group, when in Matthew it's, it's addressed to the group, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, uh, we as a group uh, in that, uh, we have differing temptations. Differing things. And so he said, as a group, let us not be led astray. Let us connect and, and overcome our weaknesses by partnering with someone else who has strength in our area of weakness. Sin comes from your desires. And sin always leads to death. Verse 14, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire or lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. The sin always leads to death whether it's a little sin of taking a cookie or not taking a cookie, or a big sin of something we were not going to take the time to talk about, but it can draw you away, and your own heart can draw you away. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his way according to the fruit of his doing. So, instead of thinking you can what you can, instead of thinking of what you can get away with, you should think about what you should get away from. See, um, I struggled with alcohol as a teenager and so it was really not good for me to go to a restaurant that sold alcohol because I couldn't handle it at all. I didn't want to be tempted by it, to see it, to smell it. Uh, that was never a temptation for my wife. Never. But we had to make a decision when we got married that I was never going to be around that for my own sake. Well, as I grew in the Lord and, and left that behind, that was no longer a temptation. I still prefer not to be around it, but that's a preference, not a need. And see, you need to think about what you need to get away from. So, if you're really tempted to eat cookies when you shouldn't, 
What should you do? Don't have them around. Or if you live in a house with other people who eat cookies, put them up on the top shelf if you're short. Put them down low if you're tall. Put them behind a locked cabinet if you're really weak. But move away from. <laughs> we bought Benjamin this uh, when he was a little kid. Uh, safe, a bank that had it, it talked. And so you'd walk into his bedroom and it would say, please step away from the bank. And, you know, it was really cute the first time and the second time. And about the 30th time, we took the batteries out of it. Uh, said, oops, it broke. No, uh, we, we just, the sound was just bad. And we didn't lie that it was broken. We just took the batteries out. It was annoying. But, but your heart is vulnerable. And, and you need to realize you have to watch out for you. Now, Randy and Sarah have been married for like 40 years, right? Something like that. More than 20 apiece, right? So can Sarah help Randy? Yeah. Can Randy help Sarah? Yeah. But whose responsibility is Randy? It's Randy's responsibility. Now, Sarah can help. He can even ask her for help. But it's Randy's job to make sure Randy follows the Lord, and it's Sarah's job to make sure Sarah follows the Lord. Together they can help each other or hinder each other. Your heart is vulnerable. Proverbs 4.23, because your heart is vulnerable, you must guard it. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Uh, the the heart, it just comes out. What's on the inside comes out on the outside. So if a man is uh, struggling with sexual temptation, then he should not watch football games because their commercials are horrible. Uh, but he also should, if, if that's a struggle in his life, he should have a, a, a provider for his inner death that screens and blocks all those areas. What we do sometimes is we say, well, I'm supposed to be strong in the Lord. So it's like an alcoholic walking into a bar, sitting down and having something to eat. That's a really, really bad move. And yes, the Lord can make you strong, but you also need to realize your heart can lead you astray and you need to guard your heart. Keep it. That's the same word used to describe guard like guard duty in the military or policemen guarding an area. Uh, you and I couldn't just walk into the White House. In fact, when we were in D.C. the last time, a guy decided he wanted to run up to the White House because he was late for the tour he was supposed to go on. So he jumped over the fence and took across uh, the White House lawn. It was very entertaining for everyone else, but not for him. Secret Service took him down, took him off. He missed his tour. He wasn't allowed anywhere near the White House. You know, he should have just run around. And I think somebody tried to stop him when he was climbing the fence. I kind of wanted to say, go for it. See what happens. But 
It, it was entertaining. I, I, Secret Service responded quickly. I was, I was happy. So you need to guard, just like they guard the White House, you need to guard your heart. And there's tools that you can use in different areas where you need to guard your heart. Talk with people who love you. They can help you and encourage you. And one of the tools that we use, the major tool in protecting our heart, is learning the Word of God. Listen, Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word, to the Word of God. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Like you're on this trail, let me not sway. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You use the word of God to guard your heart. You need God's fortification to keep your heart from being drawn away. Can you see that picture? I don't know how clear it is, but in that picture, it may not be really clear. Does that look like just a little hill to you? Well, there's some ruins on that hill. And terraces of ruins that have all fallen. How does something end up a ruin? Over time, now sometimes it happens quickly, like Sarajevo became ruins very quickly after the Olympics. But anyway, sometimes it takes time. And if you don't work to keep it up, what do you think would happen to your house or your apartment or your mobile home if you never did any maintenance or cleaning for 10 years? It'd be a disaster. I mean, sometimes you've got to be constantly repairing. Home repairs are fun, aren't they? But if we don't do them, then we have problems. And so we need to guard ourselves. We need God's fortification but God says we need to partner with him and, and take responsibility for our own heart. So trials are a part of your spiritual growth, and you need God's fortification to make it. Number three, you need God's protection to prevent Satan from derailing you. I like this picture of a train track going off in, into the fog, and who knows what's up there. Uh, Satan is real. He is our enemy. You're in James. I'll look over in 1 Peter. Hebrews, James, then 1 Peter, chapter 5. First Peter, chapter 5. Satan is real and he is our enemy. Look in verse number 6. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourself before God. Learn from him. Then casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. All your anxiety, your stress, your distress, put it on him. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. <laughs> we were looking at this verse in track. In fact, it was our memory verse for the week. And so I walked up. And, and I got up in the middle of the middle school kids, and I said, Satan as a roaring lion. And some of the kids jumped like they were startled. Um, 
Megan didn't because she's lived with me for too long. She, she knew what was coming. But a couple of those kids really panicked. I don't remember if Mrs. Zimmerman jumped or not, but she didn't squeal, I know that. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. You know, I can remember a time being up close to a lion. I was as close to that lion as I was to Ben, as I am to Ben right now. And that lion roared, and it didn't cause me to be afraid at all because there were some big iron bars between that lion and me. But it did have bad breath. But listen, if you walked out there and you saw a roaring lion, what, you know, when you see a roaring lion comes after you, you got to make sure you're a little bit faster than the people around you. That's all. Satan wants to destroy you as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Have you ever watched those nature shows and see that lion chasing the herd of antelope and the lion takes down an antelope? And then what does the lion do? He just tears it apart, mauls it, grabs it, bites the throat, and rip. Uh, some of you are thinking, that's enough. We got a video of it. No, I'm just kidding. We don't. <laughs> I wanted to, but uh, as a roaring lion, Satan is not content to make you uncomfortable. He wants to destroy you. And so the next verse says, resist him steadfast in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect or complete you, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Satan wants to destroy you, and you need God's protection to prevent Satan from derailing you. The Bible is the tool we use to overcome Satan, just like Jesus did. When Satan tempted him, Jesus said, as it is written, and quoted from the Word of God. And that's the tool that we use. And you need God's protection. It's interesting that by Satan's own testimony in the first chapter of Job, Satan wanted to mess with Job. And God wouldn't let him. And Satan said, I want to hurt him, but you are protecting him. That was Satan's own testimony. He wants to devour you, and you need to depend on the Lord for his protection. Because Satan was the most powerful, most brilliant, most beautiful of all angels. But Satan is just a created being. God is the creator. And so we don't live in fear of Satan. We live in trust of the Lord. Because greater is he that is in you, when you know the Lord is Savior, than he that is in the world. Satan, the prince of the power of this world, the prince of darkness, the God of this world, is nothing 
compared to the Lord God of the universe. And we do not need to fear Satan, but we need to be aware he's out there and he's stalking. And his demons are stalking. A third of the angels went with Satan and got thrown out of heaven. And they're stalking and trying to trip you up and mess you up. And you need God's protection. So the Lord said in the model prayer, deliver us from the evil one. Protect us from his attacks. And then you need God's insulation to withstand the pressures from our culture and our society. His insulation. You like that picture of the lighthouse? If you lived in that lighthouse, how would you feel right now? Well, if if everything was caulked and sealed, you'd think, praise the Lord, I'm inside this caulked and sealed building. If it was not, you might be thinking, should have done that work ahead of time. We need that insulation. Kathy and I lived in apartments once that they were not well insulated. So when it got cold outside, it got cold inside. When it got hot outside, it got hot inside. When the neighbors made noise, we could hear it very clearly. And she was practicing piano. She was a a piano major in Bible college, and she would practice at 2 in the morning, right? And uh, the neighbor, we talked to all of our neighbors, and there was a firewall where we put the piano against that. So it was a barrier against the place there. And the place opposite, they said it didn't bother them. And the lady downstairs was so deaf she didn't hear it. Uh, And she would practice early in the morning. And and when the kids were asleep, or Jess was asleep or whatever, I guess, yeah, Jess was asleep, she would practice. But insulation. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6 says these words. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? I have no idea what's going on with the screen, but um, we're going to jump down. You are the temple of the living God. For God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be you separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean. I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You're in 1 Peter. Turn to 1 John. Chapter 2. 1 Peter, then 2 Peter, then 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2 and verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We have a lot of believers who are enamored with the world. They want their music to be approved by the world and their dress to be approved by the world and their conduct to be approved by the world. And the Bible says you you cannot be pleasing to the Father when your heart desires the world's approval. 
doesn't mean we have to be obnoxious and dress like we lived in the 1800s or, or anything like that. Uh, men have beards down to their waists. Or, uh, but, but you need to set yourself and realize the world may disapprove of you, but you follow the Lord. It's his approval you need, not the world's. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. When you long for the things of the world, your heart is not longing for the Father. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. In verse 17, And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Psalm 33 says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. You need God's insulation to withstand the pressures from our culture and our society. The world I'm sorry, the word is a tool that we must use to overcome the world. I like these verses from Psalm 119. Uh, You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. So if you're a young kid and you're following the word of God, The Bible says you're smarter and know more than a lot of old people who are not following God. You you can follow Him and know Him. I had quite a few teachers in school that were evolutionists. They believed in the theory of evolution, only they called it the fact, the science of evolution. There is no science of evolution. There's scientific evidence interpreted by one belief system or by another belief system. And the scientific evidence is consistent with the belief of creation. And I had a teacher I loved. She was brilliant. She encouraged me. I loved science because of her. And I didn't even realize till years later that she had so profoundly influenced me that I believed evolution because of her. And I rejected parents and my church had taught me. And then I trusted Christ as my Savior. And years later, I remember that beloved teacher was the one who led me astray. Some of you kids are in public school, some are in private school, some are in Christian school, some are homeschool. God's Word presents creation as a fact. The scientific evidence actually supports creation. But the schools don't teach that for the most part. Christian schools, most of them teach creation, not all of them. All of them that are truly Christian schools do, put it that way. Some that call themselves Christian schools that don't, they're not really Christian schools. But we need to follow God. If we really want God to keep us from temptation, to deliver us from temptation, and deliver us from the evil one, then we need God, we need to walk with God, and we need to talk with Him, and we need to pursue His path. Because God is in control. 
and we need to trust and follow him. It's a divine human partnership. We trust him and he delivers us. We pray to him and we ask him to protect us from temptation and deliver us from the evil one. And then he divinely works in our lives and only allows those trials that he will use for our greater good and his greater glory. And everything else, like Satan himself testified in Job chapter 1, everything else God protects us from. Without him, you can do nothing. But with him, through him, you can do all things. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Are you following God with your hands? Are you pursuing his good? Are you putting up barriers to protect yourself in areas where you need a little help? Are you asking people, holding yourself accountable to people? Do you realize that we serve an awesome God and your God knows way more than you do? And you think, I can't handle this. But later on, you look back and you see how God gave you the strength to get through it. There's a hymn in our hymnal that I really like. There's a lot of them in there I really like. But this one, Be Still My Soul. Uh, We've struggled with issues. We're going to face trials. We're going to face temptations. We're going to have difficulties in our lives. Be still, my soul. The same Lord who said, after this manner, pray this way, and told us to trust Him, the same Lord is still there, still calling upon us to pray to Him, still challenging us to trust in Him. Be still, my soul. Ben's going to come and lead us in this song. If there's a decision you need to make today for the Lord, make that decision. If you, you wrote out a description of a difficult time the Lord got you through, give that to me before you leave. I hope that you will realize that God is on your side and He gives the grace and strength we need to get through. Let's all stand as we sing.